This is Kim, Stuart, and Scott. Welcome to another episode of the Fear Me Podcast. This is episode 81. What are you drinking? Oh, uh, this is a little twist on mid, uh, Monday Night Brewing's uh, Fu Man Brew. It's uh, their clip-on series, and it's Fu Man Brew Gusa. So oh. it's uh, it's got a little salt and a little um, citrus. Or maybe a little bit of watermelon, in a way. But it definitely has a citrus taste to it. Uh, but it is so much better than that nasty terrapin thing that we had, like, the what water- was that now, a uh, year and a half ago? Yeah, it was like a watermelon goosa. Yeah, this is actually very good, and I think you'd enjoy it. But it does have a little salt taste to it. Yeah, but mm-hmm. it's not too bad. It doesn't make you pucker. No. and um, You can actually drink it. Yeah. Although it does give me a scratchy throat. <laughs> Mon- Monday night. You can actually drink it. You That's can a actually drink selling it. Point. <laughs> <laughs> Monday Night Brewing's actually been doing a lot of this where they're taking kind of their popular beers and just doing a little twist on them. So, mm-hmm. And I know cool. that they are like supposed that. to be doing or supposed to be building a massive brewery. in, uh, And I think I might have mentioned this before in southwest Atlanta. Yeah, you have. So. Nice. Nice. So they're getting some nice expansion. Yeah, cool. they've done well. So if you get a chance, yeah. t- try it out. Kim's drinking the same. Yep. Scott, what do you got? I am drinking uh, from out. Um, let's say Sheriff Henry Plummer's Outlaw Brewing of uh, Bozeman, Montana. I'm drinking their Horse Thief India Pale Ale. It's a beer so good it's criminal. Hmm. <laughs> do you agree? I do agree. Okay. I do agree. I think it should be outlawed. No, actually, it's very good. <laughs> it's, a, it's got some. It's got some pop to it though. Um, it's a, it's a, one of those in, India Pale Ales that keeps giving back. Oh, okay. Um, no, actually, it's very it's very nicely balanced. Um, not too bitter, not too not too heavy. I mean, it's it's one of those those IPAs that you can kind of uh, you could drink a couple of them and be just fine. And is it is it uh, powerful? It's it's got a little bit of a punch. Not too bad. I'm talking alcohol content here, buddy. That's what I'm talking about too. Oh, okay. <laughs> the Fu Man Brew is a five point two. This is a five point six. Not bad. No, mm. no. For for an IPA, it's very uh, actually very typical. Are you trying to say your content, your alcohol content, is bigger than mine? Uh, I would say that's very easy to say. You know, the next time we get yeah, together, we should things. do like a brewery tour, and we should uh-huh. learn how to make beer at home. Didn't you used to mm-hmm. make beer at home, Scott? Uh, I did long ago. Um, the very first batch I made was fantastic. Every other batch I made after that was horrible, <laughs> so then I stopped. Um, even though my, I don't know what it was, what I was doing wrong, but the alcohol content in my beer, I think, rivaled Everclear. Oh, um, Lord. And I did have a couple of neighbors that really loved it, so I would pack it in uh, two-liter bottles and give it to them, and they would just drink it up and <laughs> fall down in the street and just have a wonderful time. You get cleaned up off the street the next morning. <laughs> yeah. 
poor like our stream friend went Cassidy. through hell with those guys. <laughs> <laughs> I always remember just just this vision of my neighbor walking back to his house with two two liter bottles of beer under his arms. <laughs> <laughs> Toby, get off my roof. <laughs> exactly. Get out of the yard, man. <laughs> That's Unless awesome. you're going to mow it. Get out of there. But I think that would be fun. We should all do that together. And then maybe mm-hmm. we can get them to sponsor us. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I'm telling you, I mean, next time you guys come up to Charlotte, or when you come up to Charlotte, we'll go hit a couple. We'll do a brewery tour. Okay. Do a little brewery crawl, crawl up here. There's, I think there's going to be a zombie crawl, maybe like a brewery crawl, but zombie mm-hmm. related, mm-hmm. here in Atlanta uh-huh. for the uh, Walker oh. Soccer in October. Nice. They're doing one in, I think they're in Philadelphia zombies, this weekend. Zombies and beer, they go together naturally. Totally. You know, you're getting pickled. Zombies are pickled, you're getting pickled. I mean, yeah. It helps perfect. the zombies uh, capture the slower ones, you know. Mm. Uh-huh. I think it actually helps a lot of people act like zombies. There is that, too. I know that's kind of how we are at the end of some of these podcasts. Last week. <laughs> no. <laughs> I enjoyed our discussion last week. I think we had a good one. I, actually, I did too. It was very, I, very entertaining. Yes. We had some fun with it. And some of Scott's comments were very eye-opening. Holy cow. <laughs> Speaking I of which, I better, I guess I better go back and listen to that one. <laughs> Nothing to do with the show, but man, we learned a lot about Scott. <laughs> mm, mm, that doesn't sound good at all. <laughs> Speaking of which, as Stuart said, Preacher, Season 2, Episode 9, Puzzle Piece. What'd you think? Oh, Puzzle Piece. You know, I forgot about the title on that one. Uh-huh. I liked it. Uh, I actually liked this one a lot because of uh, the tons of action. It was extremely fast-paced. Or parts of it were extremely fast-paced. I loved this, the soldier scene and how disorienting that was uh, with you do the tunnel vision and the green light and everything. And then all of a sudden, you know, our main character is actually beating you up. You're in the point of view of being the guy that's beat, being beat up, beaten up. And... Um, I like how the focus of the storyline seems to be shifting. You know, it's, you're bringing the whole Air Star and Jesse thing together, but it's focusing back on Jesse again. Um, so it was kind of turning that way this entire episode uh, and kind of l- less focus on everybody else. So I think hopefully we get back to Jesse, and it, but it's going to be a relationship between those two. Mm-hmm. So I, I really did enjoy this one. And how many episodes do we have left? I think we have four left. Four. Okay. There's 13 episodes this season. So, okay. yeah, that makes sense. Because okay. this is okay. episode nine. Okay. Yep. Kimmy, what'd you think, hon? I thought it was a fantastic episode. Um, I also liked the, the like, shooter point of view video game style. Yeah. Chase. Call of, du- Call of Duty, baby. Exactly. Um, Dennis was amazing. Yay, he's a vampire. Woohoo! <laughs> um... That was awesome. And then the whole Air Star storyline, like, wow. I don't even know what to say about him because he's crazy. But I really like that. Well, you better have something to say about him. Well, I will. Okay. (laughs) Later. (laughs) Later. Exactly. (laughs) What about you, Scott? Uh, Fantastic. It It was exactly the episode I wanted. You know, I said last week how much I enjoyed last week's episode that... 
you know, I enjoyed all the development and so forth, but it was time to move on. Mm-hmm. This this episode moved on. Don't get me wrong. I think by the end of the episode, we really hadn't moved on a whole lot. But, man, it was a fun episode to go it through. It was. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what it was more. The entertainment value. More oh, the story, doubt. The story doubt. moving along. Like you said, the, the, the Call of Duty action scenes and so forth were just fantastic. And I loved... Um, uh, actually, Cassidy was my favorite character in this episode. <laughs> he was. And not for funny reasons, but mm-hmm. because of... of, of the way he reacted to Jesse throughout the episode, I thought was perfect. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I just, it was an incredibly entertaining episode. Um, matter of fact, it was, it was, you know, we'll talk about it with our hits and misses later on, but man, I had a tough time with a miss. I really Same. did. Yeah. I struggled with that. I'm um, actually still having a tough time with a miss. <laughs> Hopefully after Hair star, hair star story was very interesting. Uh, I'm so glad they're getting back to the God thing. Trail of God, um, and and Jesse's story. And Jesse is, I'm actually kind of enjoying the fact that Jesse is not the good guy in this show. Jesse's Jesse's the dick. Yep. I mean, and everybody's over and, Jesse. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's kind of, uh, it's kind of, uh, it's going to be a little, you know, a little bit of revelation. To Jesse, I think he's starting to get it, but I think that's what I really liked about this episode a lot. He's starting to get that people are not happy with him now and the way mm-hmm. he's acting. Yes. Yeah. yeah, they're yes. tired of the yes. whole hunt for God. Mm-hmm. Let's move mm-hmm. on. That's what they're he's saying. Got a lot of, he's got a lot of guilt on his face throughout this episode. Yes. yes. Yeah, he definitely, well, yeah, I mean, um, Cassidy's comments are pretty pointed at him, and he's, you know, mm-hmm. very Well, that short whole scene at the beginning when, you know, when... When he's talking to Cassidy and Cassidy's defrosting the, the uh, blood... blood. And Jesse's going on about God, and he starts talking about God, and and Cassie just completely cuts him off by slamming the knife into the thing to mm-hmm. break up the mm-hmm. break up the blood or whatever like that. And then Jesse tries to start talking again, and he does it again like that. And Cassie turns around and he goes, hey, "I think we're getting somewhere." You know, <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was classic. That was one of my favorite scenes of the show. Yeah. That's the way he cut off Jesse. He was just like, "Screw you!" But with a smile on his face, mm-hmm. right? You know, right? Yeah, right. And then when classic. he when he tells Tulip to go to sleep. And mm-hmm. Cassidy is like, "What the fuck, man?" Yeah. Oh, I know the look he gives him. Yeah, like withering. And he's withering. like, Jesse's like, "Well, she needed to sleep," and he's like, "Dennis needed to be cured, and you did nothing for him. You did not help him yep. feel better. You didn't mm-hmm. cure him. You did nothing. You didn't. He's not even comforting Cassidy or Dennis during all of this. He could care less. It's, he's totally oblivious well, to everything that's yep. going on in everybody else's life. Yeah, because Cassidy had mentioned that Dennis is getting better. He's feeling better, and he's Jesse got some rosiness well, in his cheeks. Yeah, he blows it off like it's yeah. it's no big deal. And then he's talking about how well he's talking about how um, you know if there's no God, it's complete chaos. You have to have someone at the head of all this. And but, you know, you also saw in that steward in that scene, um, which I thought was kind of interesting, you know, when I was talking about Jesse feeling kind of guilty um, at times, he, when when Cassie starts talking about, you know, hey, Dennis is feeling better, and Jesse's kind of like, oh, okay, that's great, you know, like he's looking on the line, looking for, looking at the uh, the grilled cheeses, mm-hmm. and, um, and, and, but then, you know, I think Jesse kind of realizes, oh, shit, I really didn't give that, you know, a proper attention. So he starts saying, you know, he turns around to him and he's like, oh, that's really good. I'm glad he's better, you know, like that. Mm-hmm. But then then he starts 
you know, he had that guilty look on his face, but then all of a sudden he starts trying to justify it. Yeah. By talking about how important God is and all this kind of stuff. And that's, you know, and then, you know, Cassidy cuts him off. You know, I don't want to hear it. You know, we've been there. Yeah. But I still don't think he gets it, though. He didn't get it. And that's why when uh, Cassidy leaves the room, he's pissed because for such a simple thing as trying to control Tulip, he uses the voice. Right. But for some to save the to save Cassidy's own son, he didn't mm-hmm. move a finger. He's like, ah, that'd be inappropriate. Which forced right. Cassidy the, to then do something yep. inappropriate. Right, right, yeah. And I mean, I think when I say he's 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 feeling guilty about, it, I think he's um, I think he's feeling guilty about some of the some of the stuff he's done. But I think he still thinks he's above that in that. He's justified with, with the importance of his mission. Yeah. And so, you know, he he recognized. You can tell on his face. He recognizes right. that everybody's pissed he, at. He's him. not completely oblivious, but right. he he understands that, or he in his own mind feels, he isn't convinced. Yeah. He he feels that his mission is more important than anything else that's going on around him. Right. But right. Exactly. if he's losing and he what he's trying to do is convince Tulip and Cassidy to, to you know, how important it is because right. they're all getting jaded by this. Like, come on, seriously. You know, like, oh, yeah, it's falling yeah, we, on deaf ears. Yeah, we, we can't keep ears. we can't keep going after God like this. And not not if you're acting like this and acting like you are the high and mighty because you have Genesis in you. And not if the craziness is going that going around them you know that yeah and, and and like you say Stu, i mean you know he's saying all this stuff but then all of a sudden he's throwing genesis around like it's nobody's business right, right. well that's what you i was know. gonna say like he is so wrapped up in this whole search for god and doesn't really care he doesn't i'm not saying he doesn't care but he doesn't keep others well-being in mind by mm-hmm. for example these cops that he's used Genesis on, they were there for, what, a whole week? And they yeah, probably haven't much, slept very much because right. they are on call the entire time. I don't know. I don't know how long they were there. I thought they were, like, maybe a couple days at most. But no, it was a week. Was it really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, and he had them on patrol the entire time. Now, you're absolutely right. I mean, yeah, he was. He's he's kind of disregarding everybody else's welfare, but I think he's also just oblivious as to sometimes about what's happening you know just how his his actions are affecting his friends because i mean even when tulip woke up you know and saw the bodies all over the floor and jesse's ordering these cops around you know tulip's giving him a look like what in the hell are you doing (laughs) you know and jesse's just like man of action he's all like okay you go look here you go patrol over there yeah 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 and he's got a grin on his face while he's doing it Mm -hmm. and tulip's just kind of like you know I'm dealing with all kind of P- PST issues and so forth like that, and 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 Jesse's just oblivious to it. All right, so now you're saying he is oblivious to it. He is, but he feels, but it, he's not oblivious to the fact that they're pissed at him. Okay, That's he what just I mean. he's he's completely disconnected as to why they would be pissed at him. Well, because I think he's he does convinced, recognize he's convinced that his mission is more important. So yes. therefore, it's like. Like, right. why are they even mad at me? Why do they not understand how important this is? Exactly. I think well, that's I think what he it is. does recognize somewhat why they're mad at him. It's just that he doesn't think it's as important as his mission. Right. Right. That's what Stuart said. You know said, what I mean? Yeah. You know, he recognizes the fact that, you know, you can tell by the look that he's giving Cassidy and the way he, he answers Cassidy about putting Tulip to sleep, that he recognizes now 
that he didn't do anything for Dennis. And Cassidy's, Cassidy's pissed about it. Mm. But still, he's not going to do anything about that right now because his mission is more important than what Cassidy's upset about. Exactly. Anyway, how about um, Hair Star? Which, what, you know... Starting out? Hair Star mm-hmm. is kind of similar to Cassidy in that respect. Like, he doesn't... He's kind of oblivious to what other people... Jesse? I'm sorry. He's a... Yes, he's similar to Jesse right. in that respect. It's all about him, right? Like, everything... The entire episode is, like, about Air Star himself. He doesn't care what other people think. I mean, the way he used that governor's daughter at the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And he wasn't using the voice, right? Like, he hmm. simply just told her, take your shirt off, he and she did it, it for some reason. Mm-hmm. Well, because he's got that kind of power. Yeah. And she, and she knew it. Um, yeah, it'd be, but even before that, you know, when, when you got Laura here trying to explain to him about the threat that Jesse can be to what they're doing mm-hmm. and so forth, and he completely dismisses her. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, so we're going to be impressed now just because some woman tells a man what to do and he does it. Right. You know, or a man tells a woman what to do and he does it. Um, that we're supposed to be impressed at this point, you know, and then he's like, I have a date. Kill them all. Hmm. <laughs> Although I did like how he had the tarp being put out in his office prior to them coming in. <laughs> and and we're going to we're going to leave the tarp out. <laughs> but he gets It'll the, be there. It'll be there in the, in the future. Yeah, he gets his, the gun jammed, and that's the only thing that saved that guy mm-hmm. until Laura mm-hmm. then fixes the gun, which I thought he was he was going to actually test it, but then he did not. I thought she was going to yeah. like kill the guy after she put the gun back together. Because uh, so so Hairstar orders them to be killed, and and that's when we get our wonderful uh, Call of Duty night vision attack sequence that but that that whole assault was just fantastic i mean it, it, you know i haven't seen that done you know outside of you know reenacting going after bin laden or something like that mm-hmm. but i've not seen that done on a show like this that and uh i thought it was fantastic it was a lot of fun the thing that i was saying at the start that made it so much more dis- disorienting was that they had to wear um the headphones and block yeah. out all the sound so that he couldn't control yeah. them and so it was. You didn't hear anything except him breathing the entire time. You didn't hear yeah, anything, or something. You or would somebody, hear muffled stuff. Yeah, you would hear somebody over the the um, intercom or something like that, and that was it. Right. So until Jesse attacked and ripped the guy's headphones off, and all of a sudden you had all the sensory explosion come out with everything. But I even loved the way the guy, the one guy, is patrolling through the house, and you see in the background all the guys fighting with with Cassidy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, in the in the kitchen, you know, and this guy's going around and he shoots he shoots Dennis at that point. Yeah, I mean, it was just it was it was like you said you 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 phrased it perfectly. It was incredibly disorienting. Well, it was, I think what kind of capped it was when they knocked the bottle down the stairs. <laughs> yeah, and you yeah. just you don't you see the bottle, and then I think they kind of flash out of you being a soldier, and you hear the ding 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 yeah. because they don't hear it. But they're like, oh, yeah, right. they switch. They oh. switch to perspective. They switch the perspective to inside the apartment. Exactly. The yes. Door. Yeah. Hearing yeah. the bottle boop, boop, boop going down the stairs for a second. I was like, oh, yeah, shit. Exactly. The, as a soldier, like these guys trying to be quiet going through there. How difficult would that be to be quiet when you can't even hear what you're doing? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's a very good point. Well, these guys were, were uh, you know, supposedly a well-trained assault team. So I'm in sure all they were used to in, doing in that. In the dark. <laughs> with red eyes. <laughs> That's a very good point. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the filming was very good 
for that section. Yeah, it was. It was very well done. And then, I mean, the the shock of then Jesse uh, making the guy turn on his own friends to kill him. That part was horrible. Well, then there's your miss. You had... Oh, I guess I could be a miss, but that was really sad. I mean, the guy's, like, crying. He's like, I'm sorry. But Jesse pauses when he says it. He said, kill your... Kill your friends. Like, he, he paused and then Because he knew it was bad. It. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, is that... I mean, we know Jesse well, has a Especially he bad... shot down the guy that had just told him he loved him. We, yeah, we know Jesse has a bad past, so is this kind of overstepping his bounds with using the voice? I think so. To make them kill? Because these guys so. are coming to kill him. It's like he's doing evil now. Yeah, but they're coming to kill him, so is he not justified to then make one of them kill them? He, I mean, he's a pastor. He's going for God, so, I mean, you know, it completely goes against his beliefs, but... I'm not saying he's not justified, but it was definitely his his anger lashing out. And we've seen on several occasions that Jesse has a has a a, a real anger mm-hmm. um, that takes him over sometimes. And I think in that moment it definitely took him over. And but have we seen? I mean, we've seen tons of brutality in the show. But mm-hmm. we, have we seen other than him beating someone up as much brutality as he made someone do like that? Have we seen him act, act out like that? Um, that's a good question. I mean, he, I can't like, he recall ki- an instance. He, he had that huge fight with the guy that was going to kill him, right? Or that he went to um, the the guy that was the torture guy in New Orleans. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that was extremely brutal. But as far Tulip's as husband, yeah, as yeah, as far as any any other uh, instance, he usually fights, beats people up, and that's about it. But this one was like the first time we've actually seen him. Because I mean, you could you could argue he killed those people by doing all that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you know, Stuart, you you bring up a really good point. Um, the instance with uh, Tulip's um, husband. You remember he he kind of loses it going into that mansion mm-hmm. because I can't remember what it, what set him off to tell you the truth, but he he gets set off and he goes in there and he starts using the voice indiscriminately you know whereas before he had been very very cautious about using it he's telling guys sit down don't move yeah you you stay there you know he's Victor. doing this kind of stuff and then and then his real dark side comes out when he's when he's torturing the the ex-husband and so forth mm-hmm. um you know that maybe was a turning point for him and now we're starting to see him his breakdown of his control over the voice in you know or his discipline with the voice, let's yeah. put it that way. Yeah. Um, and this was just just another instance of him getting caught up in the in the moment and using the voice indiscriminately. And then by the time the battle's over, he just doesn't give a shit anymore. He's using it on all these cops and and everybody else, you know, with without any kind of any kind of restraint anymore. Yeah, except for the the restraint to keep one of them alive, which he gets upset because Dennis kills the guy. <laughs> Because he's trying to get the the information. Like, no, don't kill that one. (laughs) Exactly. Dennis comes flying out of there. You see the grin on his face. That's what I was going to say. Dennis looks so happy. Dennis is like a teenager now. He is. Yes. Yes. It's so cute. And that was another thing I think I don't think we um, mentioned about uh, with Dennis and his change was the music. Because that scene when he's playing the French woman singing was like, Mm -hmm. you could, I mean, 
you could feel the tension in the air because it was so loud and Jesse's so nervous about what's happening. Well, they and, all were. Yeah, they were and it was just like this and he constant, it was this chaos around and movement around the apartment. And it was just like, turn it down. Yeah, exactly. Did you hear Cassidy Cassidy's outside his door and he's going, Dennis, don't be a bad boy. Exactly. He's treating him like he's his dad. Yeah, I mean, he is his dad, but it's like, you know, it's his kid. Like, turn the music down. Oh, my God. It was hilarious. Well, yeah. it is like a rebirth for Dennis. Sure. Yeah. And so oh, Dennis is like a new child exploring his new fascinating world that is laid out in front of him. For him to just well, that scene with of. him and when with him and Dennis and 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 Cassidy's in bed injured or whatever, and Dennis gets hit by the sunlight on his arm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and he he screams in pain or whatever, and, and you know, and Cassidy's like a dad. He's like, oh, let me look, let me look, let me see it, let me see it. Okay, <laughs> we can we can fix that. It's okay, you know that kind of thing. Um, I I thought those scenes were great. I thought you know just the just it's so funny to watch Cassidy being a, a care you know. A careful father to an old man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, and I he mean, says, it's just thank, kind of funny. Thank you, Papa. Yep, exactly, exactly. And Jesse er, and Cassidy's trying to teach him, you know, what's what's the proper use of blood and so forth. You know, it's there for regeneration, but we don't ever drink it outside of that. Why is Dennis not attracted to Jesse or Tulip? What do you mean? Why oh, you mean as far as being them? a vampire? Yeah. I don't think I don't think this this um, this itineration of of vampires is like driven by this huge blood hunger because it seems like Cassidy just uses it to regenerate himself when he's injured and so forth like that. But he's not like running around attacking people. But Cassidy is an older vampire. He can restrain himself. Mm -hmm. Dennis is brand new doesn't know how to restrain himself yet. He doesn't have that control. So why is he just not attracted to anything that walks around? What? Well, I mean, that's what Cassidy was saying to him. You can't give in to it. Mm. And I think that they do show in the upcoming episode that he's still having to kind of teach Dennis to restrain himself. Uh-huh. I don't know if they went to like a strip club or something like that, but he was like... Oh, right. Yeah, he was trying to get Dennis. He was like, no, 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 don't give in to it. Don't give in to it. So... I mean, there is there. I think there is that, but maybe Dennis is so new to it, and Cassidy's been feeding him blood that he had that maybe he doesn't have that hunger yet. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it is a little different in this story line, though. I think yeah. the the way that the the vampires react to things, but I think we're going to see it a little bit more in the next episode. They do give a hint to that, but I don't think I don't think the the vampires that we're dealing with in this show have that maddening drive. To drink blood all the time i think it's it's more they they like it they want to do it stuff like that but you know with with discipline and all it's it's not hard to resist it you know we saw dennis you know get really excited when he started drinking the blood mm-hmm. remember out of the pan you know and, and cassidy's like slow down slow down slow down Yeah, because i think that's you when know. the animal part of it comes over it takes over you know right. is when they are drinking it uh, and that's where he, he has to learn the restraint. But I don't think it's as strong of a I don't think it's as strong of an instinct as we're used to seeing in some of these vampire movies and stuff like that. No, but that's driving him. On on that same subject, Cassidy had to drink a ton because he had his insides ripped out by these guys. Which I was wondering, what the hell are they doing to him? And I guess it's just because they had when he gets attacked by the soldiers, it was like 
I guess they couldn't kill him. They were shooting him. They were shooting him repeatedly. Yeah, they couldn't kill him. So they were like ripping his intestines out and stuff. I mean, when you see, when you look at stills of what they were doing to him, he's like getting his guts ripped out. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, by these soldiers. I thought they were just stabbing him to death. It's it's, It's no different than when Cassidy jumped out of that plane and had to eat a cow. Yeah. To regenerate afterwards, yeah. you know, he just, he, you know, depends on the amount of injury he gets. He's got to do that to regenerate. <laughs> but yeah, man, they were blowing him away. Even the very first shot, when you see him attack the guy, you can see he's getting bullet holes in his back while he's doing it. Mm-hmm. Great scene, though. Yeah. Yeah. Very impressive. A lot of fun. The other thing that I was kind of surprised at is why didn't the Grail organization clean up the bodies right away? They wouldn't want... Like, the regular police poking Mm, around there. That's a good point. But they just left them there for the regular police to find, which, in the end, helped Jesse. Because they were not, they're not traceable. They were not traceable. Um, Because, remember, that's one of the things that the cops were telling Jesse. It says, there's no fingerprints on any of these guys on record. Mm -hmm. We can't make any identification on them. Yeah, but why lend any sort of suspicion towards their organization? Even if their organization is not known of... Um, in the law enforcement, why? Why? You know, it sounds like it sounds like Kim. I mean, I'm just I'm totally speculating on this, but the fact that they talk about this being the most powerful organization in the world, it sounds like there's um, lots of people involved in this organization, and maybe in law enforcement, maybe not everybody in law enforcement, but enough to, you know, turn a deaf eye. Yeah, stamp you know, down any, kind of any type of questions. <laughs> I just said turn a I, deaf eye. I was going to say, would that be what a blind eye mean? or a deaf ear? Yeah, what the hell does that turn mean? Turn a deaf eye. Uh, <laughs> turn a deaf eye. That's our new statement. <laughs> we if should we're put that on a t-shirt. We're turning a deaf we eye should. to <laughs> I am actually picturing it right now in my head. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when I said earlier, Gilligan's Heroes. <laughs> exactly. I love that. <laughs> Great oh. mashup show. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, anyway, um, I tell you what, I think we need to take a break here and uh, we'll be back in a moment. All right, we're back. Um, so the attack doesn't work, it's a big ass failure. And uh, we have our, our friends, uh, Laura and Hoover, showing up. To Hare Star, and this is the part where, like Stuart was talking about, with the tarps and so forth, and Hare Star is going to execute him because the plan didn't work out and so forth. Someone's got to pay. Someone's got to pay. Someone's got to pay. I had one thing. Let me ask you this: Do you think you you know the gun jammed? Mm. You know, Hoover gave himself up to be the first one to be executed, right? And I thought it was hilarious that Laura agreed with him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's like, she's no dummy. he's like me first, and she's like him first. <laughs> Do you think Lara purposely jammed that gun? Oh, I don't know. I personally do think so. I don't know when she would have had the opportunity. I mean, he, yeah, he was trying to shoot her. He was trying to shoot Hoover before she even touched the gun. Right, but I think that they knew going in that he was going to kill them. Oh, because they were not surprised. Uh, be, by well, that. yeah, they, that's right. They set up the office at the beginning of the episode. I, was Hoover? Were Hoover and Laura in that room setting up the office? I don't know. Well, I don't they think were there they were. before. They were there before Hair Star showed up in that scene. Oh, yeah, they okay. were sitting they were at the desk. There. Okay, and and the gun was already there too. Because remember, he just picks it up off the desk. 
So I was thinking maybe she jammed it to, as a stalling tactic because uh, she's she's you can tell by the way she talks that she's very easy easy to manipulate people. Yeah, and she she's did a good great job it. of it with him. Yeah, she's good at it. Yeah, she she has a plan going into the situation. Uh, no, I, I I didn't get that out of it, but that's a possibility. I you know uh, thought the um, the fact that the thing that was confusing to me was that when he was actually shooting at him and the gun was jammed, I thought he was like playing around. Uh-huh. Just trying to scare the guy. I didn't think he was actually trying to shoot the gun. Because <laughs> he, he, he kept moving it around, and it was like ding, 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 ding. And he kept, but it was like, he was just getting wasn't going on. Well, it just shows how casual he was about killing somebody. Yeah. Yes. It's like no big deal. Everyday uh, life. God damn it. Gun's jammed. But Laura's a smart cookie because she knows how to fix the gun. She knows how to turn his attention to something that's actually going to fix the situation with Jesse and not blame other people for its failure, I guess you could say, with the soldiers. So when she brings up Brad, who at first I was like, Brad, who the hell is Brad? <laughs> it's like some I super wait to monster. See who Brad I know. Was. I was like, it's going to be like a huge giant superhero that comes in to save the day, which I guess almost was. It almost was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, they, they mess with you on that one. You're like, oh, there's Brad. Yeah. Right, the right. guy in a mask. <laughs> yeah, she so she gets him focused on on bringing Brad back and gets him to almost kind of push aside the fact that that whole uh, thing failed. Mm-hmm. And and you know and he he, um, I thought it was I thought it was a really great scene because he changes the focus to his rape fantasy <laughs> and setting that up. Um, which was hilarious her reaction she's like oh well let me just put on some lipstick and he's like not you yes (laughs) and she's like oh a a no means yes situation (laughs) exactly (laughs) and it's put on hoover and hoover kind of looks like uh okay but but the fact though that they, they think they've got him completely refocused and they're walking away and then that's when he says um the tarp will stay we'll keep the tarp out yeah. yeah, you know, like that, and they're they're both like, oh shit! But you know, once again, for this to be a holy organization that is there to solely protect mm-hmm. the life of God and the whereabouts of God and everything that has to do with Him, and for them to be <laughs> setting up like a rape scenario and He's killing people and like there's like a mob is is crazy. You you have heard of the Crusades, right? Yes, but. Those were, that was different. <laughs> no, that was incredible abuse of power and, and cruelty. Lord, okay, good in point. the name of religion. Oh, this guy, I mean, he's, he's completely anti-message of what these people are well, supposed yes, to be he's about. he's not about that. But yes, it's, it's, it's supposed to be, he's, he's the worst contrast he's you He's a can sadist. Have. He yeah. is the absolute sadist. Yes. And, and he's attra- then the church is attracted to him because he's the guy to get things done. Right. Because obviously they have this whole organization that is already built under there that is the military, that is taking out all these um, uh, other deity or uh, other focuses that would take away from what the true God is. So and we get, uh, you know, we get Hairstar and I which I one thing I thought was hilarious is they show that scene with um, Laura and Hoover back in the apartment. It was when they were looking at getting Brad going, and um, and you see, I, I don't know if you noticed the book that that Hoover was looking at in the scene. 
the book is the tourist guide to brothels of New Orleans, the New Orleans. Oh yes. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's flipping through it trying to find stuff. All right. Yes, exactly. Setting up the. I wonder where you get a copy of that. I don't know, Kim. Mm. But yeah, mm. and then he gets on the phone, and she reminds him. Oh, again, it's a uh, yes. Name, yes means no situation. That's right. Or no That's means scenario. yes situation. So. But to make exactly. such a huge mistake that he has men delivered instead of girls. Oh yeah, which was hilarious. That's big. But but you know at, when all that is going on and he's <laughs> a bizarre scene where he's getting raped by these guys. I don't think he's getting raped. That's, what's that? He's not necessarily getting raped. Well, whatever. You know. <laughs> I think they're um, hinting at that. He was not saying no. No, he was not no. saying no because I think the guy. Well, he originally said up. no. <laughs> he originally said That's, no. Yeah, exactly. The no means yes scenario. That's true. But and he, he started say... saying no, and they were like, "Okay, that means yes." <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yes, but Airstar could have fought them off if he wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. The guy. So shot. while that's happening, it's the point. I don't... Go ahead, Scott. <laughs> that's the entire point is that he he is screwed up and he does not fight them off. That's the shock of it all. It's like, oh, well, he's okay with it. Yeah. Well, he's just, he's kind of resigned to it. Yes. He's kind of yeah. like, uh, all right. And then he you has know. an epiphany. Right. Exactly. That's when he sees the Jesse folder. And and, and that is the, the puzzle piece. The missing puzzle uh, piece. Okay. So why the hell did it take him that long to understand it? Does she not say Jesse? Does, I mean, he Yes. Yeah, she does. She does. He just would. He hell. He didn't. He just didn't want to listen. It. He didn't right. want to listen to. He just. It. He, just yeah, he wasn't on. listening to her. He had his own agenda, and he wasn't thinking about it. It was just something about when he's getting pummeled at that point that he <laughs> looks at that folder and it's like pummeled. an epiphany. That's what they're calling it. Yes. Go ahead. And, and um, <laughs> that that Raw that last dogged. piece that last piece of the puzzle for for Hair Star comes into play yes <laughs> you're so bad <laughs> i told you i want to get you a copy uh, of it's that an book epiphany in so many ways <laughs> yeah so yeah he finally does he understands it's like oh that, of course because and it's because he was able to take out all his guys and then you know this is happening. And so. that's when, you know, later on you see him start going through the folder and really looking at the material on there. And that's when he realizes that, hey, you know, Jesse is an actual conduit that we can use. And, and of course, you know, and of course we don't talk about the fact that, um, <laughs> like you did mention it, you know, that uh, the Brad fake out with the cop in the car and this big, huge fat yes. guy comes up yeah. and... And I'm all, we're all thinking, oh, my God, there's Brad. Yeah. You know, this, this huge guy that's just going to maul this dude. And he has that mask on. It's, the mask was scary as shit. Yeah, it yes, was. It was. You know, but I thought it was, I knew it was, you know, I knew immediately it wasn't a threat, though, because the cop screams and then spills the coffee in his lap. And the coffee in his lap was the worst thing he was worried about. Yeah, but it was it was kind of that horror movie thing. Yeah. Right. Where, right. like, the exactly. cops in the car or the... Jason. Yeah, yes. you look out the window and you're like, oh, I'm scared, but it's, you know, it's like neighbor's cat. It's not really them. And then they move away from the window and Jason's actually is there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you know... It was, <laughs> Except it was it was the drunk guy peeing on the back exactly. of the cop Exactly, he was car. just peeing on the back of the cop car, which was pretty funny. 
I thought it was a pretty good fake out. I, I thought it was Brad oh, until was. they finally show the missile. And what does it stand for? What is the Brad? Oh, Battle Ready Remote Operational Aerial Drone. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yep. Exactly. I wonder yep. how many names then, they had to go through before they stuck on that one. I don't know. So so Brad gets fired off and um, and the, but at the same time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he, he just does. focusing on the wrong stuff. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but that's at the same time that we get uh, Hair Star coming up with his revelation about Jesse. Yes. And and he realizes, oh wait, that's not that's not a good idea to kill them. Yes, and then he yeah he starts doing research online, and then that silly cat thing pops up. What was up with that? Yeah. I don't. <laughs> Because who? Laura saw it too, right? Oh my god, that was so funny. It was hilarious. I mean, it was so That was funny. great. Do you like cats? He's like, no. <laughs> no. No. And no. it's like moving all over no. the screen. <laughs> <laughs> and I then it that. happened again to Laura when she was trying yeah. to redirect the missile. <laughs> yeah. But it was, was awesome. it somebody trying to hack into their system or was it just I have a no it's just one of those stupid No, it was just one of those stupid <laughs> pop ups that come on your screen sometimes. Oh it just was so it was it was such great placement in the middle of those high High, high stress situations yeah. <laughs> and yeah. these characters are like no 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 i don't no. like cats no <laughs> no i just love the way seeing hair star get frustrated because the cat thing popping up was great <laughs> that's pretty good oh my god oh wow that was so funny <laughs> but um but yeah so so hair star orders the uh this missile strike to stop right mm-hmm so where do I send it? Where do I say I don't care? Send it somewhere. Exactly. <laughs> and they hit Harry Connick. Oh, that's right. They hit Harry Connick Jr.'s house, and they're like, "Oh, okay, good." No, that's <laughs> exactly. He's, he's like, where did the where exactly did the missile go? And he goes, Harry, She goes, Harry Connick Jr.'s house, and he goes, "Oh, okay." They should have sent it to old oh, what's his face's house. What's and it, who's who was that guy that was in the movie like um. The the ghostwriter, um, oh, oh Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage. They should have sent it to his house, or to his well, I tell you what, I don't have I a problem with the Harry Connick Jr. I like Harry Connick Jr. No, really, yeah, really? better than Nicholas Cage. I can't go. I mean, yes, Nicholas Cage has had some terrible movies, terrible movies, <laughs> but I can never hate him simply for the for fact that he Arizona. did raising Arizona. Oh, I love that Lord. movie. That was yep. a very good movie, but not yep. good enough. When the kids write and fart on the wall, not enough to make up for all the crap like Con Air. <laughs> oh yeah, Con Air and <laughs> and Con Air and uh, what you gonna do there, Hoss? And Ghost Rider. <laughs> I, I liked Ghost Rider. I liked Con Air. Shit. I used to watch that late night. Okay. Oh, uh, Kim, Kim, <laughs> we're gonna move on. Um... Now, if you had Harry Connick Jr. and Nicolas Cage living together, you could take him out at the same time. Wow. This is true. See, or maybe you needed two missiles. But, nonetheless, Harry Connick Jr. got taken out and the world was much happier. And I'm going to, before, I'm going to jump to the end. Thought it was great that they had a dedication to Harry Connick Jr. in the bar. Which I thought was pretty funny. Yes, they did. And they played yes, the they song. Did. They were like, "This goes out to Harry Connick Jr." And they blamed it on they blamed it on terrorists. Yes, of course. It was a terrorist strike that killed Harry Connick Jr. <laughs> uh, 
And that's where we get to the end of our show, where Hair Star shows up into the, in the bar that uh, Jesse is drinking alone in, because Jesse's upset about the fact that nothing ever happened with the second attack of the Grail people. And Hair Star uh, offers his assistance. We skip the part where Tulip goes and asks for the gun and is is paranoid about the well, when she's paranoid about the cleaner guy. Oh, totally forgot. And they the shot the cleaner guy. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole issue with with that, with Tulip throughout the whole show where she is um, she's super paranoid about everything. Yeah. And and throughout the whole waiting time where they were trying to find out if the Grail was going to attack and and she's kind of just hanging around windows, looking out, and stuff like that. Um, as a matter of fact, there was one thing I wanted to ask you about. There's a scene where she goes, was it in the bathroom? She steps yeah. on a the tile. tile that moves. That's the one where he put what all the think? guns. Uh, is that what it is? Yeah, yeah that's, that's where, the where he put all the is. guns. Yeah, the cowboy's guns uh, are all hidden in there. Right, 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 right. I forgot and about that. And his sword and all that stuff. And, of course, my first reaction was, oh, my God, that bathroom is still so disgusting. Did I would think not they would have cleaned it. it by now? Oh, it, it really just reminds me of a college bathroom. Well, you should get in touch with our friend Dave Bass, the production designer. Well, And you ask know, him, can you clean this? Or I'm Kudos gonna s- to Dave for making it so disgusting. Yes, I'm going to send you some Ajax. Yeah, I will personally go in and clean that bathroom because it is that gross. Really? I cannot stay in a nasty bathroom. <laughs> Pee on the floor. Well, he's made, and dirt he's made these apartments. He's Ugh. made these apartments look like tenements. Yeah, that you get in a lot of old cities. Yeah, he did a good um, job. Yeah, oh, it's fantastic. You know, even Boston, even in Boston and so forth, you see these places. Baltimore, you know, where you get these really old, tall ceilinged, you know, tenements with uh, peeling paint everywhere, stains on the walls, and all. And I mean that that's. You know, it's very oppressive. It's claustrophobic, actually. Yeah. To me. It's gross. It's very gross. It's like I dis- discussed before. It's like one of those bathrooms where you go to throw up in, and, and you're you like, you don't even to. want to throw up in it. Yeah. It's so disgusting. No, no. <laughs> it's that bad. You're like, um, I don't need to anymore. And you can't I'm take done. a shower in there even. Like, the shower's probably the cleanest place in the whole bathroom, but you don't even want to do that. But didn't you think the cleaner guy, like, I mean, she was showing her paranoia. No reason I, I even brought it back up, even though I, I know we got to the end of the episode, was didn't you think that guy was a bad guy? Didn't you I think did, he the was, whole like, time. infiltrating? I think then? he was acting like it, but I don't know if he really was. Yeah, I know. I know one thing. He was a terrible cleaner. Yes, he, I mean, was, he was just pushing blood just around smearing everything. It. Yeah, he was pretty bad. Yeah. Um, but he was acting very suspicious. He was There's no doubt about that. He was not that. like the wolf from Pulp Fiction. That guy uh, was good. No, no, that guy was very good. Excuse me if I'm terse. Yes. What? That's one of his lines. Excuse mm-hmm. me if I'm terse. Yeah, but he's like, yeah, we've got a situation here, and I'm here to take care of it. Uh, so he tells him get trash bags out of the garage uh, right. and all that kind of stuff. I, I know. Wait, I, that's. The useless knowledge that is in my brain. Mm-hmm. And Scott's brain, obviously. <laughs> exactly. Sonderman boys have a wealth of completely useless information rolling around in there that we regurgitate wherever we get a chance yes, to. Yes, it's all somehow TV-related. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's why a show like Seinfeld appeals to us so much. Yeah, and we only had like five channels growing up. Mm-hmm. We didn't have cable. I remember not having cable till. Like high high school times. Oh, you poor guy. Yeah, and um, no, that's okay. 
It just meant that I had like things like HR Puffin stuff and Sigmund and the Sea Monsters stuck in my head for years. And Magnum PI and oh yeah, Man thanks. X. Yep. Nothing yeah, wrong with that. Like that. No. Yeah. Greatest American yeah. Hero. Yeah. Uh, that was an excellent show. Yeah. I could still sing that song. Right the guy that used to eat dog biscuits. Anyway. We digress again. I completely digress, like into a different world completely. <laughs> All right. So we got to the end of the show. I think this is a good time for us to take a break. Yes. And when we come back, we will hit and miss. We'll see you in a minute. And we're back. Kim, I'm going to call on you first, babe. What's your hit? <laughs> My hit I know is, you're excited. Kim's excited. I am. <laughs> My hit is Air Star. Really? As kooky and crazy as he is, I love this character. And let me preface it by saying, I do not agree with anything that he has done or said. <laughs> <laughs> However, I think he's hilarious. I like that he can be menacing but very calm at the same time, where it's like, wow, I did not see that Maybe coming. that's the most menacing part of it. Exactly. Oh, yeah. His eye really freaks me out, mm-hmm. which makes it a little bit, it makes it almost clown-like, and we all know that I hate clowns and I'm afraid of clowns. Um, but yeah, his, just, his whole demeanor just makes all of his antics, just it ramps him up. And um, I, just, I just love him. And I think... He's like, he's like, um, oh, what's the guy on The Walking Dead now that we all love so much? I can't remember his name all of a sudden. He's with um, King Ezekiel. Oh, the, you mean his guard? Yeah. Oh, Jerry. Jerry. Yeah. I knew it started with a J. Yeah, he's like a Jerry to me. Really? Oh, just because he's Except fun? Jerry is yeah. much more positive well, than yeah, Air Star. Well, yeah, of course. Air Star is like <laughs> the exact opposite of Jerry. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> he is, but he's fun. He's funny. Yeah, he is. He's hilarious. He reminds me of him, but he's like the opposite. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. He is anti-Jerry. He is anti-Jerry. Jerry's excitable and happy, and Hair Star's calm and mean. (laughs) Jerry is, you know, Ezekiel's sidekick, and Air Star I kind of see as, like, a sidekick to Jesse. And they play off each other. Even though they haven't had many scenes together yet, but their characters play off each other. Airstar has no boundaries. And um, no. he's had a, a crap load of experiences in his life that most people probably don't want to know about. No. And he knows what he wants. And it has nothing to do with the moral fiber of what anybody would, would find <laughs> uh, acceptable. And I think that's, you know, that's where his, his character lies in that kind of um, outside the norm. 
Well, he represents that that Euro sinister mm-hmm. image that we all see and laugh at. You know, even even to the effect of what was it, Mike Myers on uh, Saturday Night Live doing sprockets? Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, touch my monkey. <laughs> you know that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's that, I can see Harry Star saying something like that. Or like the uh, the nihilists from yes, um, the nihilists from from uh, the Big Lebowski. Big Lebowski, exactly. All right. Right. They yep, don't believe exactly. in anything. They're nihilists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. we don't have to believe in anything. Yeah, that's that's him completely. Um, yep, no doubt. But yeah, he doesn't need. He needs everyone, but needs no one. Mm-hmm. You know, he needs them only to get to what he he wants, and uh, so that's why he's everybody's like, a means to an end. Yeah, everybody's a means. To that's an why end. he's like, well, I'm on this thing where about rape now, but. <laughs> So make that happen for me. But think about the power that he wields. Yeah, the power that he wields. I mean, he's he wields the whole power of the of the church. He he uses his own voice as Jesse uses the Genesis voice, yes. right? Like right. he tells someone to do it and they do it right away. But he's got but the difference is is that he's got the backing of the church. Okay, he's 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 got the backing of this huge global organization. Jesse doesn't have that. I, Jesse's no, no, got no. a power. It, even before you know? he got with the the Grail, he was a menacing character. He didn't have well, to have was, anybody backing him. But he didn't. I'm have saying the power. that his persona, he has this air about him. Air Star has this air about mm-hmm. him that um, he can use his own voice to provoke people to do stuff that he wants them to do, like. Like the governor's daughter who took her top off in the middle of a restaurant mm-hmm. and did not even bat an eye about it. She just did it. She's a respectable person, and yet she put herself in that situation. And we are speaking about the governor of Alabama, not the governor from The Walking Dead. Correct. Yes. But Yeah, like okay, what Scott's you. saying is that that's because she knew that he had this power. She knew that he had this power over her dad. Because of the backing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, right. So his his power is not um, not a force, but yet it's it's something that uh, it's not a supernatural power. It is a power of the power within position, position exactly, yeah. exactly. Good word, and and you know, and he had to earn. You know, it wasn't something that he came to them and just got. Remember, he his uh, when they showed his background, you know. It took a while for them to recognize that this guy was the guy that they needed to. He was just crazy enough that he needed to be the fixer of their, you know, but of their religion. Even when he was doing the the, the tryouts to get this position, mm-hmm. and the guy who was in charge was like, "You, uh, we don't validate," and he's like, "You will validate me," <laughs> and right, he ended right. up validating his parking. But he's like, "I'm never going to do it again." But still, he did it. So Airstar has some sort of control and power over people. This is what I'm saying. He doesn't need the grail behind him. No, I love that scene because he's like, you should have told me so I could have found street parking. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I love that that scene. It's so beautiful. And then he's like, like, we will validate now. But he's like, from now on, we are testing you, Airstar. Right. Because, yes, he does. He did have that power. Mm -hmm. Which is why he was was brought into that position in the first place to even be tested. But 
I totally, I, I, Kim, it's a, it's definitely a hit. Mm-hmm. Scott, you didn't get to get comment on the the scene where he is sitting in the chairs and being electrocuted. Oh, that disturbed <laughs> Stuart really badly. <laughs> and he has no yeah. reaction yeah. at all. I commented on it, just nobody heard me. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Was it more like, ooh, ah? Was it yeah, screaming? My wife's like, what is that? What, what's going on in there? Nothing. Go back to sleep. Mm. So, Stu, what was your hit? Oh, okay. My hit actually—I I brought it up earlier. It was the the um, <laughs> the pop-up window with the "Do you love cats?" <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> my yeah, that that just that was awesome. Not the first time. I kind of thought, uh, like Kim said, that maybe someone was like screwing with his computer. But then when it right. happened to Laura afterwards, I was like, oh, that's so perfect. Mm-hmm. It's just an internet pop-up. <laughs> exactly. It was and they so keep surreal. trying to click on it, and it keeps moving away from the mouse. And I, it don't was like like, yeah. I don't like cats. I don't like cats. It was very well placed. And then uh, my secondary hit was the, the fact that um, they had the fake Brad, and then we actually saw mm-hmm. that Brad was the missile. The fake Brad completely threw me off, and I thought that was, that was a good use of the time, a good use of the... The placement. I agree. Yeah. That was a good one. You? Um, well, I you know, I, I I wrote down so much. I mean, it was it was really tough to get my my hit. I mean, the night vision attack was fantastic. Like you said, the cats on the computer. I wrote that one down. I just laughed my ass off. Uh, blowing up Harry Connick Jr. was fantastic. <laughs> um, but I think my favorite <laughs> thing of the thing. <laughs> Was was a hairstar line from the end of the show when he says, "You like this suit? It was made by a Hungarian humpback." <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. that I good. just love that line. That was so funny. It's made by a Hungarian humpback. She handcrafted it. Oh my god, that's funny as shit. <laughs> So off the wall. <laughs> oh my god. Too good. Too good. Alright, Kim, what was Kim, you gotta miss? <laughs> you Hungarian humpback you. <laughs> the only miss I have is the fact that both Hoover and the guy from the Grail that Jesse told to kill all his friends were both African Americans. And Hoover had a white man and a white woman. Telling him what to do. Telling him what to do, lording over him. And then they, he was the one that was being threatened to die. But you know what, but you know what, though? I don't know if that's such a negative thing because you could almost say that both of those characters, Hoover and the guy that, that was being manipulated, uh, Yokohama, I think his name was, Mm -hmm. or Yo, uh, Koyama, (laughs) were kind of, (laughs) kind of, were kind of some of the few characters that were not morally bankrupt. Yeah. I mean, you know, Hoover, could, you could tell Hoover was kind of like on a couple of things, kind of like, really? You want to do that? <laughs> True. Really? You know, and and, and Koyama was, was like, he, he was struggling so much because he knew he was going to have to kill his best friend. Yeah. And, you know, so so to me, those two characters were very sympathetic. And the, uh, the other character, especially with the soldiers, the other guys kind of fell by the wayside. I mean, it was more focus on that guy. He wasn't necessarily the point guy, but he ended up being kind of the Focal yeah point. the main re- representative of the soldiers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other guys were 
useless. <laughs> they, they just right. the red shirts. Red ties. Mara, in some respects, is almost as evil as as uh, Hair Star. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it just depends on what perspective you're looking at it in. Yeah. I don't think it was an intentional placement, but I don't think it was also, I don't think it was necessarily a negative placement either. Mm-hmm. You know? Okay. Right. Yeah, I think I think when you're looking at race on television, everybody's incredibly sensitive to it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it, you know, it has its... It has its place as far as being social commentary. I don't know if if the placement of that was was purposeful in this, but it certainly um, I don't think it took a real negative connotation in any way. Mm-mm. Well, what you brought up actually makes me feel better about them having the moral fortitude <laughs> to stand up to all these crazy people. So yeah. Stu, Stu, did you have a um, a miss on this? Uh, mine, mine was kind of a weak one, and we somewhat went into it. It was the um, the fold, the Jesse folder, and I was just very confused as to why Airstar was paying no attention to this folder that had been so cleanly placed on his desk, and then he's, you know, he's uh, confronted about this guy twice. From his two main people, I'm guessing Laura and um, Hoover. Hoover are actually, you know, his main his main guy. I don't know. He may have like a whole troop of these people, but he seems to be um, meeting with them primarily. And I think they're yeah they're focused on the Jesse case, but but they're just one of many many detectives when it comes to his or whatever. When it comes to his focus, I think they're just one of many. Yeah. People. So um, you know, it, it's the only thing on his desk. Mm-hmm. And it takes him so long. It takes him until he get he gets raped before he understands <laughs> how important how important this is for some r- weird reason. So, for some reason, his focus got very centered at that point. Yeah. So and then he get, he realized, oh okay, he goes and meets with Jesse. But yeah, it was just weird to me that like it took him that long to to kind of come around. But yeah, that was it. I it, can see that. That was. That's a weak miss because uh, honestly, I love this episode. I thought it was very well done. I did, and uh, it uh, previous few episodes were a little slower. And like you said before, you know, this one had a lot going on, and it was just extremely entertaining. Um, my my miss is somewhat weak, also. Um, the I your, I your didn't hit was quite too, though. get was that <laughs> no. oh sh- shuddy um, shuddy oh shuddy Stuart. <laughs> But I thought I didn't quite get the whole thing with Dennis and his music. What was Dennis all of a sudden playing all this loud music about, and he would not turn it off for anybody? Because he was alive. Something. Yeah, for the first time in years, he can get up and dance and enjoy himself. But why all of a sudden at that time? Because he was alive. He could actually move. He was, he was dying just before. born. Yeah, when he was before, he was dying. Now he had all this energy from all the blood he was drinking and everything that, you know, it's like, hey, he just, like, drank, like, a whole pot of coffee. It's just like everybody else. They're oblivious to what's going on around him. Yeah, he's reborn. I mean, he's not going to die now. So, wouldn't you celebrate? Okay. Wouldn't you go crazy? Turn on some music? I don't know. I don't celebrate. Well. You are. That's very true. Okay. Okay, so if you won, like, $10 million... Would you mm-hmm. just like, would you turn some music up loud and just be like, woo! 
Like some now, if like you asked me if I could retire, or if I retired today, Chicago then or something, I would be dancing in the street. You put Chicago, really? on? Chicago, really? <laughs> really? Okay, Rush? Boston, maybe Rush, Boston. Now Rush, yeah, okay. I'm not gonna Boston Rush, yeah. I'm not gonna balk at that. What are you talking about? <laughs> I knew you liked Boston. Yeah. All right, uh, we love you, Scott. Yep. I, I got to ask you, though, I, got, I do have a question for you. Okay. One scene we did not talk about too much, or at all, actually, was the flashback to Jesse's father. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, right at the beginning. I wrote some notes about right, that Right, exactly. And I, I don't know if I, if I just am not remembering or whatever, but the, it shows the... I, I remember Jesse feels that he killed his father because he prayed for it, right? Mm-hmm. And... But we sh- we know that it was an organization that killed him, right? Mm-hmm. Because of the tattoos. What do we did we ever find out what those tattoos represent? No. Uh, did they show him in this scene? I don't remember. Yeah, what they were showed they? the what tattoo on the guy's arm, who had the gun to Jesse's head. Oh, uh, it was the it was or like Jesse's the, um, father's head. Yeah, it was like the Marshall Star with a skull in it or something like that, and then like a yeah, horseshoe. something like that, right? Yeah, wasn't it? It was like those three things mm-hmm. were combined. And I know we saw it We saw it somewhat in the first season, but I couldn't remember. Was there any resolution to that? I don't think that so. It was on the cowboy's arm, too, wasn't it? Was it? When they were Maybe showing the flashbacks of the cowboy when all of that stuff happened with his family. Oh, he I thought had the it cowboy too. had it. Right. Oh, you know what? I think you're right, Kim. I think you're right. Huh, but no, there was no resolution as to who those people were that killed his father. Okay. Okay. So it has something to do maybe with the Santa killers. Possibly. Because I have a feeling that Jesse, I think, is a special person. And maybe, um, and because of his lineage, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think maybe they've been following him his own whole well, Genesis, entire life. Genesis, I mean, Genesis sought him out. Right. So, yeah, he's definitely something special about him. Yeah. What did so, his dad evidently say? Evidently, he's had people on his trail for a while, and it went all the way back to, if if you're correct, it went all the way back to the Saint of Killers time. Right, so the 1800s. What did his dad yeah. say when he was getting killed? Yeah, I mean, we we had seen it before. I was trying to remember what he actually said to him, though. Like, um, well, he's, oh, he said, he's, be, he's, the, Jesse, like, be the Jesse, you best. can't cry. you got to be a man. Yeah. Custers don't cry. Um, and Jesse was like, but this is my fault. I prayed for this, you know. That kind of thing. And, and they then shot that's... him in the head right as Jesse was saying that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which right. was so sad. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. now Jesse has no closure, which, why this, his life turned out the way it did, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that screwed Jesse up his whole life. Yeah. When Jesse opened that laptop, they should have had the cat thing right there. That would have been funny. But, but, but they had, but they had the, you know, they had the grilled Jesus. Oh, yeah. Grilled Jesus. Grilled Jesus. Nah. Right, you can't you can't forget about that. That was humorous enough as it was. <laughs> One other little little thing that I kind of enjoyed is the cleaner. Um, I I don't know if you noticed this company name. It's Acme Cleaners. Yes, I did. That which was is perfect. a which is you know a uh, cartoon thing. I always yeah, a nice tribute to the old Hanna Barbera cartoons, the Roadrunner, Looney Tunes, man, stuff Looney like Tunes. That. Yep, Looney Tunes. There you go. Um, Anyway, I kind of always liked that uh, Acme. That's where the coyote bought everything that he was trying to to kill the Roadrunner uh-huh. with. 
There's what? a lot of Acme safes out there. Yeah. You're right. You guys do have a lot of useless stuff it's, in your head. I think it's primarily me. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's, he was always ordering stuff from Acme. They Every TV show in all of recorded history uses Acme because of that stuff. Like, that's nothing new. But there's actually a company named Acme. So how? why is that? That is a that is a question for another show. It yeah. is. I think we're gonna have to do a whole podcast on that. Let's talk about Can't. our listeners. Yeah, what do you got? All right, Mark Lavarnway again. If you guys are sick of hearing from Mark Lavarnway, you should probably write in. No, wait. No one Not is sick all. of hearing from Mark Lavarnway because Mark Lavarnway kicks ass. No, I agree. I'm he saying does. he's got if some you'd great like comments. To hear someone besides Mark. <laughs> then you better write in. <laughs> All right, Mark LeVarnway said... He was, he was picked. Handpicked. Handpicked from the thousands of people that were writing in. Now, actually, Mark's always got... He actually does have very good comments. He I, does. I appreciate yep. him writing exactly. in. He makes you think. The look from Cass to Jesse when he confronted him about using the voice on Tulip to make her sleep was of disdain and contempt. Yet Cass wanted him to use it on Dennis. Was it jealousy for not healing Dennis or disappointment for using it on Tulip? Cass can't have it both ways, but I knew he would turn Dennis, and perhaps it was disappointment in regards to the fact that he felt Jesse forced his hand in turning Dennis because Cass couldn't handle the guilt any longer. I'm rambling, I know, but this onion in this three-way relationship needs more layers peeled. (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) Uh One thing we learned for sure is no definitely means yes to Air Star. And then he has a bit of French at the end. (laughs) Stuart, what does that say? What's that? Bonne. Bonne nuit, mes amis. What's that mean? Uh, good night, my friends. Oh, oh, very good. Mm-hmm. Very nice. No, I mean, uh, you're not rambling. That is uh, actually exactly uh, what we've been talking about. I mean, I think the same thing. Mm-hmm. It was definitely contempt. Oh, yeah, yeah. On Cass's part. Yeah. Oh, you could see it. Yeah, he was. I mean, he was pissed, and I would and be he, too. And he was contempt because he forced Cass's hand. Mm-hmm. You know, he forced Cass to to use the vampirism to save Dennis, where Jesse could have done something. Yeah. If if at a minimum he could have made made Dennis be comfortable while he died. Yeah. It was. I mean, it was a simple act that he that he did with Tulip that he would not do with his dying son. He showed he showed his commitment to Cassidy and and. Cassidy was taken aback by that, by the fact because of the fact that Cassidy has shown his commitment over and over again for Jesse. Yeah, and I think there is there is definitely within the relationship there's much more of a commitment between between Tulip and Cassidy uh, than there is Cassidy to to um, excuse me than Jesse to Cassidy at all. Right, and I think Cassidy doesn't like that no, because not at I all. think he's shown repeatedly how much he supports Jesse in his mission, and Jesse just kind of pushes him off. Yep. So yes, there are there's definitely more layers of that onion that need to be peeled away to see what what the hell's going to be happening with Jesse. Needs a turnaround at some point. I mean, he needs an eye opener. Oh, somebody needs to smack Jesse upside the head. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there is that. Well, he's about to get that. Maybe, maybe Airstar will do that. Yeah, he's about to get smacked up by yeah Airstar in some way or another. With his new white suit. Yes, I will have what he's drinking. <laughs> exactly. Next week on Preacher, which is Season 2, Episode 10, Dirty Little Secrets, Jesse connects with an unlikely source. I think we know who that is. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesse goes 
Unforgiven when Tulip discovers he's been lying to her. Hell yeah, man. What is what has Jesse been lying to Tulip about? About using the voice. Oh, yeah. and about the cowboy. That's a huge lie. Oh yeah. Cowboy's not dead. Yeah, he's not dead and he hid the weapons and he's yeah. Right. He's not in that hell. is that is and that is the foster of all of uh, Tulip's nightmares. Right. And so forth. That he's still he and he's still around. That's a good point. That's yeah. the dirty little secret. That is a dirty little secret, that rascal. Yeah. Well, I think it was a great episode, guys. It was I'm very excited. We've got four more episodes left, so which I think is going to run into the Walking Dead, or Fear of the Walking Dead, right? We've discussed that. I don't know. Is it? Mm, I think, I think it you is. and I talked about it. It might fall. They might fall. Like one or two weeks. Um, overlap. Outside of each other. So we might be okay. Maybe. Do you know when it's coming back? We need to find out. I do. September I reported 20 it first. Something is, is fear, right? I thought it was September 10th. Was it that early? I don't know. All right. But none well, the, nonetheless. We'll figure it out. Thank you for listening to the Fear Me podcast. You can download our episodes from your favorite podcasting site. You can also find us on Twitter at Fear Me Pod, on Facebook at Facebook slash Fear Me Podcast, and on the web at fearmepodcast.com. You can email us at fearmepodcast at gmail.com. And now you can also find us on Blog Talk Radio, along with a ton of other really great podcasts. So check it out. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. Good night. Good night, everybody. A day with no sunshine. A day with no sunshine. Like it's been ever since you've been gone. This house is too empty. And the silence won't exempt me from a day. No sunshine coming on